And so today I want to isolate where stress comes from. First of all, it comes from relationships. It comes from conflicts. It comes from being married. I'm stress-free, baby. (laughs) Or, Or it comes from not being married. So the not married people, I'd say, wait till you're married. <laughs> uh, it, it comes from, from, from legal problems. It comes from divorce. It, it comes from a new job or it comes from an old job. It's kind of funny how it works. It just comes from a job, right? And uh, it comes from illness. And they, they tell us that stress causes illness. And, and when you get sick, you have more stress and you're more likely to have more illness in your body, it's become, you're liable to become a repeat offender in the illness world. And then it, it, it comes from parenting. It comes from expectation, expectations of others. It comes from unresolved sin. By the way, don't leave here with your sin today. You don't have to do that. You can leave it at this altar. And uh, you don't even have to tell nobody about it. Just come to the altar and give it to Jesus today. There's, there, life's too short to carry stuff around. And, and, then, and then I found the number one cause of stress. Can you put it on there? Being a Texas fan. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a Cowboy fan. I had to put that up there. <laughs> Being a Texas fan. <laughs> Uh, you can take that off. I'm just being funny. The number one cause of stress right there. <laughs> pay, uh, you know, money's a, money's a place of stress, and you pay $68 million for a quarterback, and he, I think he's eating donuts at Shipley's right now. I don't know, but, you know, that can cause stress in your life. And, but Jesus knew these things. He knew that we'd have problems in our life. And he promised us that things would go wrong. In fact, turn with me to John 16, 3 real quick. And in this verse, it says, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, he says, you will have trouble. Look to your neighbor and say, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So in other words, there's not a problem in this world that Jesus hasn't overcome. You're going to have problems in your life. You're going to have stress in your life. You're going to want to pull your hair out. And Jesus says, it's okay. He said, you're going to have problems. He said, but when you have me, you'll have peace. When you have me, take heart because I have overcome the world. There is peace available. There is Hope available. In fact, Psalms 34, 19 says it like this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Afflictions. You know what afflictions are? They allow you to facilitate the ability to see God work in your life. That's what they are. In fact, I looked up the word affliction in the Hebrew. And it stems from a word that, that means a, a Syrian form of torture where they would actually, they would tie you to a pole. They take you out, they tie you to a pole, and they literally stack rocks all the way around you, and they start piling rocks up on you until the weight of all of the rocks crushed you. 
That's what this word affliction means. uh, The weight of the world that is crushing you. There's some of you here today that are saying, Pastor, one more rock on me and I think I'm going to die. One more obstacle in my life and I I think it's going to crush me. I just, you don't understand the weights of the world that are on me right now. You don't understand where I've been at. If the doctor tells me one more thing is wrong with me, I, I don't know if I can make it today. But he says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. God wants to take us out of this place, out of all the weight, out of all the, 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 the stuff in life that just weighs us down. And he wants to deliver us to a place, but do we really want to go to that place? Do we really want to be free of all that weight? I know life is rough and tough. I live a real life just like you do. I see I see what you go through every day. And some of it's not fair, I want to be honest. It's not fair some of the things that we have to go through in life. Pastor Jen and I love you with all of our hearts, and we're, we're there for you. You're not doing this alone. I want you to know that you're not alone. Don't fight through life alone. We are always here. You never know when a hug can help you make it through the day or a high five, or just a phone call. And uh, call me. Talk to me. Don't, don't go through life alone. Jesus says you don't have to do life alone. You don't have to have all this weight on you. And, and I love this next scripture in Psalm 62, 5. It says, find rest. I want you to read it with me, in fact. Find rest. Put it back to the beginning. Is that it? Okay. Yes, my soul. Find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depends on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him. For God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn, and I want to pause right here. We're not going to get to this scripture yet. But, but I, want to, I want to read this again. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. Alone. by Only God. Only my hope can come from him. He alone is my rock. He's not saying I'm one of those rocks at the post that's weighing you down. He said I'm the answer to all of the rocks that are weighing you down in your life. I'm your freedom. I'm your hope. He alone is my salvation. He alone alone is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depends on God. And then the verse goes, Oh, people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And then it says a key word here, Salah. In other words, think on these things. Pause. That's what this word means. It means means to pause, to meditate on. Uh, We need to meditate on the fact that God wants to deliver us. We get so much in our head, so much going on at work, so much going on in life, that all we can think about are our problems. Sometimes to get rid of problems, we have to think about the answers. We have to think about the solutions. There is a place in the middle of your stress that you can go, and his name is Jesus. There is rest for your soul. 
And then we go to the verse, we pick up, it says, lowborn men are but a breath. The highborn, in other words, the rich are but a lie. And in fact, if they were weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. In other words, the rich are living a lie. They're not even happy. The, the stuff that they have and, and, and the things that are going on in their life, they're not happy either. Do not trust in exhortation or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. I'm gonna talk, I want to talk about three things today that cause 99% of the stress in our life. And the first thing is relationships. And we talked about this last week on how to deal with difficult people. God created all the mountains. We talked about this last week. Created every single mountain. And then we read in Scripture, he says, we have faith of a mustard seed, we can move the mountain. God has created mountains in your life to be moved. He puts things in front of you because he wants to increase your faith levels in your life. He'll never let you go through anything in your life that you cannot handle. And so we're going to skip over that one. We're going to go to the next two culprits because I, I preached on that last week. So I want to talk about time and money. First of all is time. We have to get a grasp on our time. You can't do everything that you're doing right now and keep the pace that you're doing right now in life and not get burned out. We run 100 miles an hour. If every week of my life was like last week, I wouldn't be able to survive. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I can't go every night till 3 in the morning. I can't go every night to 1230. I can't, I can't do those things. And so I, I readjust my schedule and I make time for my family and I make time for my wife. And, and, and I have to make time for those things in my life. I can't run 100 miles an hour all the time. I don't mind running 100 miles an hour just a little while. But, but if, you, if you keep the gas peg floored in your car all the time, you'll eventually burn your engine up. It, it, it's, it's made to do 100 miles an hour in an emergency, but it's not made to do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so if you keep your gas pedal down all the time in your car and, and your RPM is redlined all the time on your car, before long, you're going to need a new car. And you ain't got but one car here on earth, this vehicle right here. You just got one. You got to take care of it. You got to stop every once in a while and fuel it up. You got to stop and wax it every once in a while. We took Colby's car to Denton this weekend. He had a football camp yesterday and, and uh, got to show off in front of some scouts and have some fun and do what he loves, and, which is uh, playing football. And Dad got to do what he loves, which is watching his son play football. And so it was a win-win. And he's got this pretty car, and we took his car because my truck in the summertime is black, and it doesn't cool off real well. Well, I'm going to tell you what. It was so hot and didn't yesterday, his car didn't cool off well either. I'm in it going, Lord Jesus, am I, oh, am I going through menopause or what? I, I'm having hot flashes here. It's, it's 110 degrees, and it's just crazy weather. And, 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 it, and it's crazy weather, and it's hot. And, you know, Kobe's driving down the highway, and it's 75 between here and Dallas, and I told him he could do 80, and he's, Never done 80 before, Dad. This is good. <laughs> you know. And then I watch him hit 85, and I'm like, boy, you get a ticket, you're paying it. Dad ain't paying no $200 ticket. Slow down. And, but, but the deal is we, we'll get burned out if we, we just go 100 miles an hour all the time. We have to prioritize our life. We, we can't run at full speed 
all the time. And, and we have to know that a lot of uh, the principles of the Bible are true, and, and we, wanna, we want solutions to our problems, but a lot of times we don't want to hear the answers. And with time, it starts with the first one of the main, main commandments. It ranks higher than adultery and murder on the Ten Commandments, and that is the Sabbath and, and keeping it holy. And, and so we give the first day of the week. Sunday is the first day of the week. We, and that's what we, we, we preach today in America. I, I'm not going to get into whether it's Saturday or Sunday. It's whatever day you observe it. Uh, Jesus is not that legalistic, trust me. It's the first day of the week. We find the first day of the week, which in America is, is Sunday morning. It's the first day of our week. And, and we start off our week praising and worshiping God. Because there's something about saying, God, I give you my very first day of my week, and I give it to you. And we need to make it more than just about going to church on Sunday morning. Take your wife, go for a walk, go for a stroll, and just pray on Sunday afternoons. Go find you a little gazebo with some shade, or this time of the year, one with an air conditioner, and, and sit in it and, and just enjoy God all day long. Give the whole day to him. Say, no, we're going to sit at the table on Sunday at lunch, and we're going to sit at the table on Sunday nights, and we're not going to have the TV on, and we're going to pray with our family, and we're, we're going to give that time to God, and we're going to set it apart, and we're going to set a standard for our kids because I don't want my kids to be burned out with life and with time. I want them to know how to manage time and that on the first day of the week we give it to God and we go to church. I want to plant that seed in their life. And In fact, we talked about this scripture that I'm fixing to use a few weeks ago. and It's a scripture where we get the handwriting on the wall from. That, that saying, the handwriting on the wall, and that hand, the hand came out of the wall and the king of Babylon, this hand just appears out of the wall and it writes these words on the wall, many, many tekel parsons, and, and it writes these words on the wall and that's where we get the definition of handwriting on the wall. And, and in Daniel 5.25, it says this is the inscription that was written. Many, many Tekel Parsons. And here's what these words mean as Daniel interprets it. He says, many, he says, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Parsons, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. In other words, God told this king, your life has been out of order. And because it's been out of order for so long, it's over. There, there's finality. There's, there's, there's an end to where you're at in your life. It's It's done. And the truth is, if we don't do something about the rat race we're running, it'll end up costing us something. It, it, costs, it costs people their marriages. It costs people their families. It, 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 it's deep cost that we, 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 weigh, we didn't weigh along the way. And now they're being weighed and it's being balanced, just like it says in this scripture. You've, you've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. What are you wanting in your life? The things that you really wanted when you, when you got life and you started life with your family. What you really wanted is you wanted to marry your sweet wife or your, 
your handsome husband, and you wanted to have a family. And those were your priorities, and those were your purposes. But somewhere along the way, on the scales, they got out of balance. And we get out of balance, and we don't spend enough time with our honeys, or we don't spend enough time with our children. And before we know it, there's a cost that we pay. And so God's principles are true. We have to follow them. We have to set, a, set apart time, and we have to put God on our calendar, and we have to put him first in our lives. And we do, something changes. And the next, the third and final key thing that causes the most stress in anybody's life, it's the number one root of all divorce. It's the number one root of stress in Americans' lives today, and it's money. Number one source of stress. Number one thing Christians want to know about in their life is how do I handle stress? And the number one answer to that question is the number one thing that no one wants a pastor to preach about. Am I wrong? Can I have an amen? Everybody get louder. I mean, this is, this is real life. Now, you asked for it. This is the question you asked for. The, the number one thing that causes the most stress in our lives in America is money. We even got theme songs about it. Money, 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 money. He's our president now, by the way, too. You ever think that might correlate? You know, they, they say during election years, it's the economy stupid. Remember, remember that phrase? And, and, and why, why is Donald Trump our president today? Because everybody in America is in a financial mess and they want answers and they figure the rich guy could fix it. Just I don't think that Donald realized the spiritual stuff that was wrong with this country that needed to be fixed first. Because until you fix the spiritual, you'll never fix the natural. And, and that's, just, that's just the honest truth. And, and, and so the number one thing people want to know the answer to is the number one thing they don't want to hear about. It's the number one source of stress. I had some good friends a long time ago, and this is another church far, far away, so you're not going to ever figure out who these people are. So I'm going to talk about them. I could even use their names, but I'm not going to because they might watch me, you know, my world-famous broadcast weekly. <laughs> I'm speaking faith. Don't you laugh at me. No, nah, I'm joking. But uh, anybody ever made a bad financial decision? We all have. We've all done it. And, and so they decided they got a credit card. The bank gave them like 12000 No, 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 $22,000 worth of credit on a credit card. Gave them $22,000 line of credit. It was bad. And uh, they came to me and they said, Pastor, we, we got a problem. And I was just a young pastor at the time. I was like 23, 24 years old. Pastor, we got, we got a serious problem. I said, what's wrong? They said, our, our, every, every time our phone rings, it's a creditor. And every time, every time you know, the, the phone rings, we, just, we, we don't answer it because we know it's a creditor. And we, really, we need to buy a house because we've been stuck in this apartment for, for eight years now. And, the guy's selling the apartment, and, but we can't because we have $22,000 with the credit card debt. And I looked at the guy, and I said, 
where in the world did you get? Because I'm looking at his furniture in his house, and I'm looking at everything, all his belongings and everything he has, and I'm like, where did you get $22,000 worth of debt? And, and him and his wife looked at each other, and they kind of snickered a little bit, and they said, Casolet. And they were serious. I'm serious. They, they every meal, they were going out to eat Casolet, and they just swiped the card because they had it. I think it was two or three cards, but it equaled $22,000 worth of Mexican food. Now, now, you're laughing, but we've all made bad decisions, and they just made a whole lot of bad decisions. My sister probably knows who they are. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, and, and they did. $22,000 at Casolet. I'm like, man, I need to open me a Casolet tomorrow. And I'm going to find a credit card company and give them another credit card, you know. And we laugh, and it's it's funny, but there, we make bad decisions, and we end up we end up in these in these bad places in our life, and it's all we it's all last, but we've all done it. We've all said, "Well, there's not groceries in the house tonight. I'm tired. I don't want to cook." And we just swipe the plastic, and at the end of the month, things get tight, and we can't pay it, and, and it starts adding up. And before long, you, you're in serious trouble. And I want to tell you something. If I was your enemy, if I was your enemy, I can call to plan to keep you stressed out. I'd concoct a plan. I'd concoct a plan so that the last thing you could do is be what you were called to be. I'd concoct a plan where all you could do is dwell or think about the problems that you have in your life. I'd create an environment in your life where seed couldn't grow because you were so stressed out financially you couldn't plant seed in God's kingdom. I'd concoct a plan where I'd whisper in your ear and I'd say, don't give to church. Don't do it. Pastor's just going to take your money and you know he's building a new house right now. I'm just being real with you. If I were the enemy... If I were the enemy, I'd devise some plans in your life so that you wouldn't have the blessings of God in your life, so that you could never fulfill your purpose in life, and you could never be what God called you to be, which is the church. If I were the enemy, that's what I would do. I'm just being real with you today. If I were the enemy, I'd have this glorious plan where your time was always robbed from your family, so you'd divorce your wife. And you, you wouldn't have the family you once had. And all you could do is think about your losses instead of your gains and your blessings. I can talk to a plan where you couldn't even enjoy the blessings that God had given you in your life. That's what I would do if I were the enemy. If I were the devil, that's what I would do. There's a famous old saying that Paul Harvey had where he did a radio broadcast that was called, If I Were the Devil. And if you listen to it, everything that he said was prophetic and came true. But the deal is, the devil doesn't want you to realize what your purpose in life is. He doesn't want to know what you're called to do. Because when you know what your purpose is, you stand up and you rise up. And when you do that, you become the church. You are the church, not a pastor. When this church is doing good, it's because you're doing good. When the church across town is doing good, it's because its people are healthy and whole and doing good. 
I've been called to disciple people and, and to help people. And, and, and the deal is, uh, that's what Jesus did. But in that, Jesus told us the truth. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10 says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those that want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. Remember if I told you if I was the enemy, I'd, I'd set a trap for you? And in many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, it does not, we, we get this so confused and we say money is evil. Nowhere in the Bible does it say money is evil. It says the love of money is evil. There's, there's something that happens where we start loving money, where we allow our job and everything else to eat up all of our time, and, and we forget about the purpose and what God has called us to do. And, and it says some people are eager for money and have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The love of money, not money itself, is the root of divorce and stress. It's... It, it, and it says it will cost you your faith. What is your faith? It's by faith that we are saved. It's our salvation. It's by faith that we're saved. It's by faith that we're healed. It's by faith that we live. It's, it's, by, it's through our love for God that we obey Him. If I were the enemy, I wouldn't let you obey, the, obey what the Father says in, the, in, this, in this book. And I'd say, well, you know, some of that was for back then. Some of that, that's just Old Testament. That's just, it's all the breath of God. It's all alive and it's all living. It's whether you let it live in you or not. And whether you let it breathe in you and deliver you from all the stress in your life. The number one fight in families is money. It's what causes the stress. It's what causes most of the problems. And so God wants us to have rest. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to have problems in our life. Jeremiah 6, 16, it says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. In other words, there's an intersection, God's saying, in your life. And he says, you can stand at these crossroads of life and you can look. And there's different paths that you can follow. And, and what, do, what does it say next? It, it says, as for the ancient paths... That's where the good way is. This is the way of following God and, and, and following his principles and, and walking in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. He tells us the plan, but most of the time we choose not to walk in it. And, and the deal is, when we want to actually get desperate enough to get rid of the stress in our life, sometimes it's almost too late. The scales have been weighed, and we're so far in debt, there's really no good answer for it. And then it's the same way in our, our spirit is we get to a place where we're bankrupt. Not only in the natural, but in the spiritual. Because we, we listened to the lie of the enemy in our lives and we didn't, we didn't follow his principles and follow what he had for us. And we get to a place where we're just so desperate. God, I don't feel like you're talking to me right now. I, I don't feel like I can hear your voice right now. But he's as clear as he's ever been. He's just waiting for us to walk in his ways and to follow the right intersection. I'm, I don't want to tell you today what to do with your time or your money. That's not why I'm here. 
I just want to give you some principles that will help you figure it out for yourselves. And uh, I'm going to give you three principles real quick. And you'll never know how to spend your time or your money until, number one, you learn how to live with a sense of purpose and urgency. It changes the whole way we spend money when we look at an object. And they are all objects, by the way. And my wife laughs because everything I have is always for sale because and none of my stuff really owns me. I own it. And it all has purpose or it's gone. I get to places in my life where stuff doesn't have purpose no more and it has to go. And I sell it and I get rid of it. And I'm not trying to sound spiritual or, or high and mighty or none of that. I'm just telling you, uh, I, I, don't, I try not to let stuff control my life. There's lots of stuff in life I'd like. I mean, I'd like a truck where the AC worked good, but it really just doesn't serve my purpose. I don't drive that far every day. I, I don't need a... $60,000 note. It doesn't serve my purpose in life. And, and, and so we have to ask ourselves, does, does this contribute to my purpose? God says life is but a breath. And, and there's stuff God's called me to do, so I have, a, I have an urgency in my life about I have this many years to get this much done, and then I'm going to have to hand this to somebody else when I'm in my 80s or my 90s, and I'm going to have to walk away from it. And I'm going to go to where I'm called to be, which is not of this world. I'm just in this world. And, um, and so you have to know God. And, and the first thing we did was we talked about how do I hear God's voice. And the reason we've done these in this order is for a reason. Is, is we have to know how to hear his voice. And, and he brings clarity to all the situations in our life. And number two, uh, to know, know what your purpose is, you have to find freedom. And in order to find freedom, you need people in your life. That's why we do life teams. Our, our hope and our goal is that you would get involved in a life team and you'd hang out with five, six, 12 people and you get to a place where you're comfortable around them. And as you got comfortable with them, you would, uh, here you go, Kobe. You would begin to open up to them and talk to them. Because when we open up to people, it allows us to let go of things in our lives. And we need freedom in our lives. James 5.16 says this, Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together. And here's the key words. This is how we want to live. Whole and healed. And then it says this, and I love this. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful and to be reckoned with, to be reckoned with. When you're living right for God and with God, there is something about when you begin to pray, there's something powerful, there's something that the devil doesn't even want to get near you because you're something to be reckoned with. You're something that has authority and has power in your life because, because you know who God is in your life. Number three is you have to discover your purpose. You, you've got to find out why you're here. And, and it changes the way you spend money when you, when, when, when you say, I know what my purpose is. I know what my purpose is. And, and when you run everything through the, through the filter of urgency and purpose, it, it changes the way you spend money and you spend your time and, and, and it, you spend and you have relationships. It, it changes those three, three areas. 
And number four is you got to learn how to make a difference. And when you know your purpose, you can make a difference. And, and so that's why we join the dream team. Join the dream team today if you haven't joined. Find a, find a purpose for your life. Our, our purpose is to see people set free. Our purpose is to see people healed. Our, our purpose is to see people whole, just like we talked about in the Scripture. Uh, that's what our, our purpose are. And, and you never know. Serving a cup of coffee might change somebody's life forever. And it's not even Starbucks. Because it's not what's in the cup that might change their lives. It's actually you discovering your divine purpose in Christ and serving it out that might heal somebody. I saw a wonderful video on CBS, and I was going to show it today, but we don't have time. But, but this old man goes to the grocery store, and his wife had died about four months earlier. And, and every day, he sits in his house in a place of depression. And his whole house was out of groceries, and he didn't want life to go on. And he goes to the grocery store, and he's walking down the aisle, and this four-year-old little, little girl runs up, and she kind of reminds me of Bella, my little niece, and just full of spunk and vigor because nobody told her she couldn't talk to a stranger. Nobody told her that she couldn't, she couldn't see an old man's life changed. Nobody told her that, 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 that she should stop and not talk to him and just leave him alone and leave him quiet in the grocery store. But she saw him and something rose up in her and she ran to the man and, and started talking to him and says, can I have a hug? And something broke off of his life, and now the little girl goes by his house every week, and he says, I have a new reason and a new purpose and a new destiny of why I live because I want to see her grow up and fulfill everything that she has to do in her life. Uh, something changes when we break walls and we discover our divine destiny, and we don't listen to the guy that's your enemy and tell you, you know what, they're just minding their own business in the store. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not, listen. The devil's never going to tell you to go talk to somebody in Kroger. He's not going to do it. He's going to tell you not to talk to them. Mind your own business. Do what you're doing. Focus on, you know, focus on your groceries. Pastor said your time, is, your time is valuable too. You need to get back home really quick. And he'll take the words that I say and even twist them in your heads on a, on a Sunday afternoon once you're out of here. And, and so... Focus on the things that are eternal and have purpose. You could change somebody's life when you find out your purpose is to change people's lives. We have to live with purpose and urgency. Psalms 39, 4 says, Lord, remind me of how brief my time is on earth. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away, that my life is no longer than the width of my hand. My life's longer than y'all's. No, <laughs> and uh, an entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. In fact, Jesus said it like this in Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Now, don't, don't, you can read this, and I read it several times, and I got, I got focused on treasure because that's the first thing I saw that popped out of my head. You know, treasure. Hey, I'm going to pay attention to this scripture. But what is the treasure? It says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, 
And then his own joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. In other words, Jesus is saying this guy discovered what the true treasure in life was and all his earthly possessions, he went and sold them so that he could buy the field which was contained heaven. There's a field out there, and it's not a natural thing that you can see. The problem is we focus on the the external instead of the eternal, and we get in trouble. The the field is something that is eternal in our lives, and, and the field is everybody out there waiting for you to reach them. He went and sold everything he had that so he could focus on the eternal, so that he could focus on the kingdom of heaven. We have to realize that we aren't a product of time but eternity. And God took us out of eternity and put us into time to affect all of eternity. What are you affecting? What is your purpose? What is your destiny? What is your plan? They're things to think about. Number two, you'll never know how to spend your time and money until you can put first things first. I keep this saying on my desk. You can ask my wife. It's on my little file folder holder, and it, it said I'll put first things first and focus on, focus on the eternal, not the external. And we have to do this in our life. And every day when I look over there on top of my little refrigerator by my desk, it, it says, Make sure you keep first things first, Pastor. Make sure you're focusing on the eternal, not the external. Make sure you're not focusing on all the distractions in life, but you're focusing on Him, and when you do that, all the distractions and all the stress and everything else will take care of itself. And it's hard to do. I get sidetracked at times. I'm going to be honest with you. We all do. But, but we, have to, we have to realize that we got to keep things first. And that first thing we should keep first in our life is God. Psalms 90.12 says, Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are and help us to spend them as we should. But Jesus said, But first seek my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The best decision you'll ever make in your life is to put God first in your relationships, put God first in your time, and to put God first in your money. And we, when we get these things right, it'll settle everything else. When we fix these two things, it settles everything else. In fact, Psalm 62 says, fix this and you'll have rest, O my soul. Rest. That's what God wants you to have. Rest. But it's not until we find our purpose and live life with urgency that we get rest. Urgency and rest don't go to pastor together. Yes, they do. It's just you have to get a divine revelation of what God wants to do in your life. Number three is we'll never know how to spend our time or our money until we keep our hearts set on heaven. We have to lower our expectations here on earth. I'll never forget when I was a young man, I went to Honduras for a month and I watched these little kids running around and playing, just having the best time. Came afford a soccer ball. They had some kind of coconut or something. They were kicking around, just having fun. No, nobody told them. Nobody told them that the ball had to be an official soccer ball. Anything they found was a soccer ball. Now I looked to the side, and there's these other little kids, and they're just playing with rocks, sitting in a dirt pile, 
completely content with life, completely satisfied, just playing with some rocks, using their imagination, just having fun. Because nobody ever told them that rock wasn't fun. Nobody ever told them they had to have this to have their life fulfilled. Nobody ever set those expectations in their life. It's, a, it's an American gospel that says we have to have all this stuff and we have to have heaven on earth. Heaven was never intended to be here on earth. In fact, Jesus said to store up our riches in heaven, not on earth, because we can't take any of them with us. These little kids are just totally content. And then we look at American teenagers, they got every device under the sun, and they're miserable. Some of them are miserable. They have everything they could ever want. And their whole brain's discombobulated because they've got all this stuff going on and all these expectations they're trying to live up to. I've done told Colby, I said, if you don't get a college scholarship, it's okay. You don't ever play a down of college football, that's okay. You're still my, you're still my hero and my number one. Now, he'll, he probably will. And he may even make it to the big show one day. You never know. But if he doesn't, it doesn't matter because our things, our, our focus and our energy and the things that are important in our lives can't be what's here on earth. And it has to be on the eternal. We have to fix our eyes, like it says in 2 Corinthians, uh, on, on what's important. It says, therefore, in 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, see, they're all momentary, by the way, are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. See, when, when God's at the top of the balance of your scale and he outweighs everything else in your life, None of the small stuff really matters. So it says we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And then John 14, 1 through 2, Jesus says this, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. See, Jesus offers us more than just a today. He offers us a future. He offers us a hope. He offers us a better place. And our hope's not in earth. It's not in things. It's not in possessions. But it's, it's in a better place and in a better time. But the, the true question is, are you ready for that place? Is your heart right? Are you discombobulated? Are you stressed out? Are you, are you troubled? And do you have the weight of the world on you? Do you feel like, Pastor, one more rock set on top of me. I feel like I'm tied to the pole. I can't go nowhere. My life is just heavy. I don't know how I can face a tomorrow. I got credit card debt, Pastor. My marriage is falling apart, Pastor. Things, things are going wrong, Pastor. And there's only one answer I have for all of that. You're not going to fix your money problems overnight. Not unless you win the lottery, and that's just not likely. I'm just going to be realistic. Now, 
with God, all things are possible. But the truth is, with God. And we forget the first part. We say, well, I go to church and I just want the possible right now. The truth is, it takes time and focus and energy and spending time with Him and finding out what your purpose is and how to be effective in life before all the rest of the stuff comes. It comes from a lifestyle of putting Him first and trusting Him and and running everything in your life through that filter. Does it serve your purpose today, God? Does this does this, is this an urgent matter that's going to find somebody so they can find Jesus in their life? Because the truth is, we lost a young man this week. And it was a horrible accident, a horrible tragedy. No one here is promised tomorrow. The problem is, God gives us a hope, and it's in heaven. I pray he knew Jesus. I pray that with all of my heart. And the deal is, the question, the real question for the whole day is, are you ready if you were to go today? Is your hope in eternal things? Is your hope in Jesus? Do you know him in a fresh and a personal way? Stand up with me today. With every head bowed, no eyes open. If you would ask, if you would ask me today, Pastor, I need to know Jesus. If, if, if you want to know Jesus in a true and a real way, I just ask you to raise your hand up today. If there's anybody in here that, that's never met him and you want to know him. He said, or maybe you just say, Pastor, I, I've had all the weight on me and I, I, need to renew my, I need to renew my life to Christ today. If that's you, slip your hand up with me today. He said, I just need to refocus my time and my, my energy and, and what I'm focused on. Thank you. There's a hand. There's another hand. Don't be scared to raise your hand today. I'm not going to tell anybody you raised your hand. It's just between you and God. You just want to rededicate your life and say, God, I'm not worried about anything else. I, I'm not worried about what people say about me. I'm only worried about what you have to say about me today. I want to be your child once again. Hands all over the audience. Let's bow our heads today as we pray. If you've raised your hand today, or even if you didn't raise your hand today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I believe you died, and I know you rose again. I confess today that you are my Lord, that you are my Savior. Save me. Set me free. Take all the rocks off of me today. I want that freedom. But most of all, I want you. I give my life totally to you today. Jesus, I love you.